I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Tuesday afternoon, about 24 hours after uh, the news of Brian Ferentz's, I guess, contract amendment, uh, redone contract, new deal. Brian Ferentz's new deal uh, came out, and much like uh, a week or so ago when I reacted to uh, Kirk Ferentz's press conference, I guess that would have been Wednesday press conference, podcast on Thursday. I've had enough time to, <clears throat> excuse me, let some of the emotion work through me. Uh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to uh, an Iowa men's basketball team that's won three in a row, is playing really well right now, and uh, has a huge game on Thursday at number one Purdue in a place where Iowa does not typically play well. Uh, the Iowa women on a roll. Uh, they have a huge game also on Thursday against Indiana. Caitlin Clark making her uh, statement as player of the year. All of those things. We'll, we'll catch up on all of that. In just a moment. Before we get to any of that, I do want to just quickly mention uh, that it was announced officially today. I think it's been floated out there a handful of times. Uh, it was kind of a, a well-known secret that Iowa will play at Wrigley Field this fall. And that's really, really cool. The The Iowa-Northwestern game will be held at Wrigley Field November 4th. Uh, if you're a Cubs fan, that means the Cubs aren't planning on making the World Series. But uh, if you are a Cubs fan, man, it's it's fun to see your team inside of a stadium like that. Uh, these kind of games aren't lost on me. I haven't become so cynical that uh, I'm not a sucker for things like this. I like seeing these unique uh, environments. Unique's not the right word because this has happened before and, and will happen again. But um, I, I like the thought of these camera angles with Wrigley's iconic scoreboard in the background. And uh, even though the game is is always a little weird, um, I, I, I still, again, th these things aren't lost to me. I still enjoy this. I'm excited for this. I'm looking forward to this even as a non-Cubs fan. I think Iowa fans should have the majority in that building. Uh, I think Iowa fans will, will grab these tickets up. I'm not sure that Northwestern fans will be as motivated to do so. Um, and maybe Iowa fans won't be motivated by November either. I guess we'll see. Uh, but I think this is a cool thing. Cool for the program, cool for the fans, cool for the players. How cool would it be to say you played football in Wrigley Field? I, I think that's neat, and uh, and I'm glad it's happening again. That's November 4th in the game against Northwestern, uh, at Northwestern this year. All right, let, let's talk about this this Brian Ferentz stuff. And, and again, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, um, I think it's probably pretty obvious that uh, I don't come at these things from a real emotional place, I, or at least I, I certainly try not to. Um, and so if, if that's where you are, if that's where you are, I get it. And if you don't want to listen to somebody be, uh, try to be a little more rational about this or parse through it, uh, or think about this in a different way, I, I totally understand that too. Uh, fast forward to, to the, the basketball stuff of this podcast, I guess. Um, because I've, I've mostly come to terms with the fact, like, I don't, I don't think we learned anything yesterday. 
Um, I've mostly come to terms with the fact that Brian Ferentz will return as, as offensive coordinator. I don't like that. I don't think it's the right thing. I should just put this out there right now. I wish Iowa was making a change. I wish Iowa was investing more in the offensive side of the ball uh, when it comes to coaching and scheme and just kind of uh, the the importance of that side of the ball and having been left behind by the rest of college football, really the rest of the entire sport. Um, I, I wish that wasn't the case. I do. Uh, but it is what it is. And, and so you kind of have to deal with that. Uh, as I laid out in, in my podcast last week, I, you have three options, right? Stop being an Iowa fan. Uh, be mad all the time or just accept it for what it is. Uh, I get that this has created a another hailstorm of uh, Cyclone fans making jokes and national media writing columns and nepotism and all of that. And, and I get that that's, um, that's discouraging. That's hard to deal with as an Iowa fan. And I, I do wonder how much of the emotion uh, about this, really all of last season, and then these last couple of press conferences and, and the decisions being made or maybe not being made in these in these press conferences or in the offseason, I wonder how much of the emotion uh, within the fan base is driven by the laughing stock nature of it. The the fact that uh, this this is fodder for opposing fan bases and national media and really even those within our own fan base, um, a, a lot of whom are going to find negatives no matter what, uh, to, to lash out at Iowa and to you know make make valid point uh, you know I, again I don't want to make it seem like national writers writing about this are just taking a shot at Iowa or that you know other fan bases talking about this are just taking a shot at Iowa I do find it funny uh, if Cyclone or Gopher or Husker fans uh, or Illinois fans look at this and say oh yeah I hope Brian Ferentz is the the coordinator forever there well he's kicking your ass uh, so. I, I don't think you actually hope that, but yeah, haha, funny jokes. Uh, let let's again, let's talk about the the reality of this a little bit, uh, and, and try to take some of that kind of knee jerky emotion out of it. This is something that we're gonna have to live with for the next year. Something that we're gonna have to face and and read columns about and and hear those other uh, fan bases uh, talk junk about. Uh, so l- let's talk about it seriously. I I think this is clearly bad PR from Iowa. That's kind of par for the course with Iowa. Uh, I, I don't know why they had to put this out in a press release. I don't know why they couldn't have just done this quietly and then have it be, I guess, ultimately, if it's FOIA'd, uh, Freedom of Information Act, if, if it's if it's found out by the uh, by the press, it'll probably look worse, kind of like that Fran McCaffrey contract extension a few years ago, which ultimately was great, right? I mean, I think we're all happy for the most part with where the basketball program is, but uh, in the end was not handled correctly. Maybe that's how this would have gone. And I do think there's a part of, you know, be it Gary Barta or the the marketing team, whoever it is within Iowa PR that made the decision to, to uh, put this out there yesterday. I think they... A, probably expected some level of backlash, but certainly not this level of backlash. And I think they probably expected some appreciation for some of these things. And I think that's fair. Now, I think it's probably dumb to have expected that. Uh, I think that's bad PR to have expected that because you have to know, I mean, you're dropping a hot dog into a tank of piranhas at this point. Like anything that comes out from Iowa football that's not uh, you know, something overwhelmingly positive Um is going to be attacked like this again, not just by other fan bases or the or the media, but by Iowans, Iowa fans on social media and and within our own fan bases. Uh, so, the the PR part of this uh, is unquestionably bad. Um, I don't know how you could have done it better. I don't think it's a terrible idea. As a matter of fact, I think it's probably a good idea on a couple of different levels. 
it gives you some actual metrics. It gives you an actual end game. Now, you can say that the wording of the contract is not that he will be fired. It's that his contract will be terminated if he doesn't hit these metrics. And, and of course, there's the chance, uh, and I will never take this off the table at this point, there's the chance that Iowa goes you know, five and, and seven and scores 10 points a game, and they're able to find a way to spin this and rework it to where Brian Ferentz still has his job. Of course, that's an option. Uh, you'd be dumb to take that off the table completely. But it does give you some actual metrics and an actual end game. If these things don't happen, this is the result. If these things do happen, this is the result. And when you look at this uh, as like an HR thing between an employer and an employee, and that's what Gary Barta and Brian Ferentz are, that's the relationship they have, employee-employer, this is the employer. I mean, have, have you ever been put on like a, a level of probation at your job? Have you ever been, uh, we call it here, uh, the personal improvement plan? You, you've been pipped? Uh, have you been written up? I have. And I was given standards and metrics and a timeline to hit those and then consequences for what would happen if I did or didn't hit those. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. Now, it's a, the, the metrics are low. Certainly the seven games is I think I think the seven games is unnecessary. You don't need to put that in there. Iowa fans know that seven games is unacceptable. Kirk Ferentz knows that seven games is unacceptable. That that's seven wins is unacceptable to him and this program at this point. Now that says a lot about this program. And I talked about that in the podcast last week too. The fact that Iowa's floor is seven wins, eight wins is an incredible thing. That is something that we've all taken for granted. And that I think we all forget about because I've, I've seen comparisons. I've heard comparisons uh, to Brian Ferentz and Iowa situation to what happened at Iowa State with Tom Manning, their offensive coordinator, who they fired. Their floor was a lot. I mean, the bottom dropped out on Iowa State this year. The bottom didn't drop out on Iowa. It dropped out on Iowa's offense, but it didn't drop out on the program or the team or the win total. Scott Frost was fired after three games or whatever it was this season. The bottom fell out of that program completely the bottom hasn't fallen out of Iowa and so these are they're, they're just not apples to apples comparisons uh when you talk about kind of the, the the floor that Iowa has has built and sustained over this last decade so seven wins was was unnecessary I think we all understand that if you have fewer than seven wins certainly with a, a schedule like you have coming up this next season that's unacceptable on all levels and that's going to force change from everybody 25 points a game is going to look and feel a heck of a lot better. If Iowa achieves that, and they have several times under Brian Ferentz's offensive coordinator, uh, the, things are going to feel and look better. And I fully expect Iowa to be able to do that. Now, eight points a game is, is what we're looking at here. You know, Iowa essentially had 17 and a half points a game last season. And yes, you throw in all the defense and special teams scoring as well, because like it or not, that's part of the game. And that, that all folds into this. Uh, when there's a pick six, that takes the possession away from the Iowa offense. And so uh, it's not a, a perfect thing, but you have to lump all scoring together because scoring is what we're talking about here. Scoring is, is, is what matters. That's how you determine how good an offense is. It's not yards per play. It's not rushing yards or where you rank in the country in, in yards per game. It's scoring. If you're able to score 30 points by putting up 150 yards, nobody cares. Or at least you shouldn't care. Unless you lose 31 to 30, I guess. Um, 
But the 25 points per game, eight points more per game this season than last, will feel different. It will feel better. And I expect Iowa, with Caden McNamara and Eric All and Luke Lachey at tight end and an improved and more veteran offensive line, and hopefully some you know more help on the outside and, and some, some fewer injuries uh, in the receiving core, I expect Iowa to be able to hit that metric. Uh, and that will look and feel a heck of a lot better. And Kirk Ferentz had the stat, and this is why it was. It seems clear that this was in place or or the wheels were in motion on this last week when Kirk Ferentz met with the media because he threw out the stat uh, on his own that over the last seven, eight, nine years, whatever it is, when Iowa has scored 24 points or more, they are 55-3. and three. Most of Iowa's losses come when they can't score 24 points or more. So you look at that, and again, there are people yelling at their radios or their phones or however you listen to this. Like it's not the radio. Uh, it's a podcast dummy um, who are like, that's such a low bar. And it is a low bar, but that's the bar Iowa needs to clear to win. And ultimately winning should be the most important thing. The problem is that I think Andy Phil's put this really well on, uh, on the Murphy and Andy show earlier today on KXNO. I hadn't thought about it this way, but uh, a big problem is I think that there's a disconnect between uh, what Kirk Ferentz sees as success or how he measures success uh, compared to what the fans see or measure success as. And the hard part about that is, is it's a moving target for fans. Year in and year out, game in and game out, week in and week out, even within a game. It's a moving target. What does success actually mean? Two years ago, we won 10 games and played for a Big Ten championship, and a lot of people were not happy because the offense didn't look great and we got blown out of the Big Ten championship game. So what is 10 wins a success? I think for Kirk Ferentz, it absolutely is. For me, I would say it absolutely is. But I understand that for a lot of fans, it's not. So so how do you appease those fans? How do you uh, try to get yourself to a point where you're, you're, you're winning these games in a more entertaining fashion? Well, you set a low bar at 25 points per game, and you try to clear it. I've seen – I want to run through just a couple of like the talking points that I've seen – uh, or, and heard that I just I I, I want to just debunk a little bit or or try to or at least tell you where I'm coming from because I've been the guy yelling at my radio and my phone for the last 24 hours listening to to some of this analysis not all of it but some of it and again it's all nuance it's all within context right again I'll say it again I'm not happy Brian Ferentz is coming back as offensive coordinator I think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a detrimental mistake. I don't think it's a mistake that's going to tank Iowa's season, program, or Kirk Ferentz's legacy. I don't. But I do think it's a mistake. I would have liked to have seen a change. And uh, and I think a change is going to have to ultimately happen for this team to potentially take another step. And we'll talk about what that other step could be uh, here in just a few minutes. But I do just want to kind of run through a couple of these things. Because some of it's said kind of in jest and, and jokingly, but... Um, but let's let's just get real here for a minute. Like people saying, well, now isn't Iowa going to be incentivized to run up the score? Are you going to leave your starters in in the fourth quarter? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what this is designed to do. But that's what you want, right? That's what you're begging for. That's what you're asking for is more points. It, when you're saying a more entertaining offense, what does that mean? That the, There's only one way to interpret that, and that's more points. Because Iowa could run a fullback dive every play, and if they're scoring 40 points a game, it's entertaining. Right? Or is it not? Is 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 there a different is it you have to pass the ball and get twenty five points a game? Like that again, the, these are moving targets, it's a hard thing, but but running up the score, yes, it will be incentivized, and that's what you've been yelling about. That's what you want. You don't want Kirk Ferentz taking the air out of the ball in the fourth quarter with a seventeen to seven lead. Now he wants that. 
because the only stat he cares about is winning. And I think he thinks the only stat we should care about is winning. And there's an extent to which he's right about that. There's also the entertainment factor that I talked about last week as well, and that's been a huge issue with this. And so is leaving the starters in in the fourth quarter with a 12-point lead, a 15-point lead, a 20-point lead, uh, is that going to make for a more entertaining product? Yeah, I think it probably will. Does it mean I was going to run up the score on some people? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that just means Utah State and Western Michigan and a, a rebuilding Iowa State team, right? Like, if Iowa has a 10-point lead on Wisconsin in the fourth quarter, they they hopefully will try to score more. Now, will that mean they throw an interception and all of a sudden it's a three-point lead with six minutes left and you've screwed yourself? I hope not. And if that does happen, we all better shut the hell up. But yeah, they're going to run the score up. Yes, that's going to happen. That's what we've wanted. That's what we've been yelling for. It's going to put some pressure on the other coordinators. It's not fair to LeVar Woods and to Phil Parker that their job that their jobs uh, or that Brian Ferentz's job status relies on on their uh, on how, the job that they do, the points that they score, the positions that they put Iowa's offense in. It is going to put more pressure on them, but that's the gig. They've always had that pressure. It's not like this year we were all like, oh, well, that's okay that we lost because, uh, you, I mean, how quickly do we turn on these other units when when something bad happens, when a team has a long drive for the game-winning touchdown? How quickly do we turn on the Iowa defense? We do it very quickly. Of course there's more pressure on the other coordinators. There's more pressure on everybody. I've heard people say this is going to be a distraction, not just now, but into the season. Wait, was was this not a distraction? Last Was Brian Ferentz's job status and this offense's production not a distraction? Was this not a, a topic? I was on here every week, and I think I remember talking about it just about every week. This, this has been and would be a distraction regardless of whether or not we knew what these metrics are. Again, I don't think the PR aspect of this was handled well, but I think it's being overblown the extent to which this is going to be some sort of a distraction on Iowa's football program or, or within the Ferentz family. You think they didn't hear or know what the conversation was around Brian Ferentz's job this past season. So again, I think more is being made out of that than than is realistic. This was always going to be a distraction. This was always going to be a week-to-week topic. Every week, we're going to be talking about how many points Iowa scored. Yeah, we, we weren't going to do that anyway. We didn't do that last week, last year. We didn't do that the year before that. We haven't done that. I mean, these are things that already happened. Yeah, there's a little slightly different context for talking about it. And we have this metric now. We have this number that we're going to be paying attention to. Yes, you're right about that. I don't think that changes the conversation drastically. It was going to be toxic if Iowa has a bad offense, regardless of whether or not we know uh, what the metrics are coming into this season. Kirk, Brian Ferris is going to be coaching for his job every week. Again, would he not have been had we not known this? As a matter of fact, I think the fact that we know he's actually coaching for his job is a positive. I think the biggest positive out of this is that I'm working under the assumption that Gary Barta will hold him to this. And if things fall apart and they don't improve and, and it is not better, then Brian Ferentz will be let go. His contract will be terminated. I think that's a good thing that he's coaching for his job every week. We already thought he was coaching for his job every week. We thought he was last year and he wasn't, right? So going into this year, we had no reason to believe he was. Now we know he is, and I think that's a good thing. It makes winning seven games the objective. That's true. That's true. I don't like that, but that's been the objective for Kirk Ferentz. That's what his contract says. Uh, that's not what he wants, 
That's not the 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 bar that he sets for himself or for this program or for these teams. But that has been the objective. And I think those they'll, they'll they'll blow past that again. Again. What if the offense is good but stops just shy of 25 points per game? Well, Iowa goes 12 and 0. Wins a Big Ten championship, gets to the college football playoff. Well, then you have to fire Brian Ferentz, right? Of course not. Come on, guys. Let's be realistic here. Let's be, let's be, let's just be honest about this. Let's be intellectually honest. Because if I would go six and seven and scores 25.1 points per game, or seven and six, rather, and, and scores 25.1 points per game, I think Gary Barter will take a serious look at what's happening with the offense going into the following season. And if it's on the, the shoes on the other foot and Iowa wins a national championship scoring 10 points a game, Brian Ferentz will return as offensive coordinator. They may have to finagle something with the contract. Maybe that terminates that contract and they sign to another contract. But this hasn't really hamstrung anything when it comes to that. If Iowa goes 12-0, Brian Ferentz is coming back as offensive coordinator. Period. No matter what the offense looks like. They're not going to make a change after a season like that. So couple of the harder parts of the conversation. What is the standard? We've, I brought this up a little bit. What is the standard? Where is that bar set? What is the standard that, that's not currently being hit? Is it winning the Big Ten regularly? Is it winning the Big Ten ever? Is it just getting to a Big Ten championship game, but then competing in that, like being in the fourth quarter in that game down by three points? The problem is we there is no set standard that 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 is going to be a moving target over and over again. So it's really hard to kind of set a standard in a contract like this when the standard can be can be moving within a within a game within a season week to week. If it's winning the Big Ten, I think that's probably too high of a standard. If it's getting to the college football playoff, if it's beating Ohio State and Michigan every time you play them, I think those are too high of standards. Um, if it's like, I don't know, is, is it beating Iowa State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin, and Northwestern more often than you lose to them? Or is that not enough? It's just a really hard thing. And, and until we kind of agree on what the standard is, it's hard to know whether or not they met it. That's one of the things I like about this deal is it does set a standard. Now, it's a low standard, uh, but at least there's there is something there. We beat the teams that we play year in and year out more often than, than, than we lose. Uh, maybe that's not enough. Our floor is ridiculously high. Maybe that's not enough. I know that we all want to compete at a higher level in, in bigger games with bigger schools. I know that. I do too. I do. I really do. I'm not trying to like make it seem like everything is hunky-dory or everything is okay. I'm just trying to come at this with some level of level-headedness, some rationality. And then again, in a way to kind of protect myself from just being pissed off for the next year. Because ultimately it comes down to this, and, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of the end of the discussion. Um, it's the inevitable conclusion to this discussion. And that's, are you ready to get rid of Kirk Ferentz? And, and maybe for some of you that's yes. For me, it is not. And so anytime I start to go down this road of where Iowa is, where they could be, what should be happening, what I wish would happen, ultimately it comes down to, am I ready to move on from Kirk Ferentz? And my answer to that is no. 
And so, while I don't think that means I should just accept everything at face value and be okay with everything, it does mean that I'm not going to get really, really pissed off about a lot of this stuff. Um, and, you know, I hope you aren't either. I hope that Iowa looks better this year. I believe they will. I hope the offense looks better this year. I believe it will. I also believe it's never going to look drastically different than what we've come to expect under Kirk Ferentz. And I'm okay with that. I've accepted that. And maybe after Kirk Ferentz moves on, we'll get a coach who takes us to the next level and it'll be like, man, we should have made this change a long time ago because look, now we're winning we're winning Big Ten championships and we're competing for the college football playoff and we've got Heisman caliber skill position players. Maybe that'll happen. I don't think it's likely. I don't expect to win a national championship in my lifetime in football for the Hawkeyes. Maybe I'm setting the bar too low. I know that there's nuance between being terrible and winning it all. I feel like overall... The results have been pretty damn good. I had a, a national writer for twenty four seven wrote a column that I read, and and I he you know somebody was tweeting about it, and I, I just he he responded to somebody else's tweet with something to the effect of, you know, it does, the stats don't matter; it's about results. And so I just simply said, well, the results have been pretty good. And he came back with, I mean, you know, they they don't win the Big Ten, and the offensive stats are not good, and yeah, sure, the wins and losses have been solid, but. And it's like, well, stop right there. What do you mean, sure? The way you just said the results are the only thing that matters. And the results have been good. They haven't been great. They haven't been perfect. The PR of it is terrible. We're going to be a laughing stock for a while. But that's okay. It'll just mean that much more when we shock the world, score 40 points a game, and win the damn Big Ten. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's move on to some Iowa basketball talk. Uh, we'll start with the men. What a win uh, Saturday afternoon against Illinois. What a fantastic crowd inside Carver Hawkeye Arena. What a great moment. What a great day for Iowa basketball. Uh, it was just so nice to get off that 0-5 streak against Illinois. You just hate to lose. That That's Iowa's biggest basketball rival. Uh, that's the best rival we have in basketball right now. And uh, it sucks that we only play one game this year, although it's nice to get that one win. Um, it's just just really, really nice to get that win because that, that's a good Illinois team. That is. And Iowa can beat some really good teams. It's it's been fun uh over these last nine games where Iowa is seven and nine, or seven and two rather, uh, to 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 be beating some really good teams. I mean, sweeping a Rutgers team that's ranked, beating Indiana, who's ranked, uh, beating the, these other teams. Iowa is the, this is the the weirdest stat of all. Iowa seven and five in the Big Ten. They're seven and zero against teams that they are tied with or behind in the standings, and they're zero and five against teams they're ahead of in the standings. It's it's really incredible. They've they've lost to some bad teams and they've beaten up some good teams. And I don't know what that means for the tournament. Does that mean you want a bit of a lower seed so you're playing better teams? Because uh, that's when you really get up and then get going. 
and you you can kind of fall asleep against some of these worst teams. Was it all just a matter of the injuries and the kind of weirdness of the schedule that happened for that 0-3 start and that East Illinois game? I don't know, but that Illinois win was huge, and, and a, a packed Carver, a really, really great crowd, a cool ovation for those boys and girls clubs kids from the corridor. Uh, that was really, really cool and really well done by Iowa as we just spent you know 25 minutes talking about bad PR. Let's talk about a little good PR to, to get those kids out on the court. Um, those things are planned far in advance, and so to be able to kind of move on your feet and get those kids out there, get that ovation, and then just that kind of troll job that it, that it comes with it, uh, on Illinois, that's a lot of fun. That was great. Um, Tony Perkins just took over, and I love that the team allowed that to happen. And Fran McCaffrey said after the game that it wasn't just him; it was the players saying, "Hey, let's go to Tony. He's got the hot hand. Let's run everything through Tony." And to his uh, to his credit, he stayed aggressive. He didn't back down from it. Uh, he hit a lot of free throws, fifteen to sixteen, fifteen in a row. That was obviously key in the game. You don't win if Tony Perkins doesn't shoot like that from the line, and he doesn't shoot like that from the line if he doesn't stay aggressive and get himself some mid-range jumpers, hit a few of those jumpers, uh, keep the defense honest, get to the rim, uh, get get Illinois into foul trouble, and uh, and do a lot of that kind of single-handedly offensively when um, you know Chris Murray wasn't quite having the, the game that. Uh, you hoped he would have. I think he had 20 points anyway, but um, you know Peyton Sanford had some foul trouble, hit a big three late, uh, and and so you needed somebody to step up, and and Iowa has needed that a lot, and as you've gotten it from a lot of different guys, and and on su- Saturday you got it from Tony Perkins, and that was so great to see. This is about the time last year that we saw a change in Tony Perkins. Now that also came with a lineup change and and putting him into the starting lineup and playing a different position. So I don't expect like some switch to be flipped right now because it's the start of February and, and Tony Perkins has become a different player. But I do hope that that gives him some more confidence moving forward because you're going to need maybe not 32-point games from Tony Perkins moving forward, but you're going to need some 20-point games from him. You're going to need some nights uh, where he is one of the best players on the floor, and uh, and you're going to need that, that level of guard play from Iowa, both offensively and defensively, some energy uh, coming from Tony Perkins and Aaron Uless and Josh Dix and all, you know, DeSante Bowen and, and the rest of the crew as well. But uh, if you can get that Tony Perkins even just a few more times this year, you feel really, really good about that. Obviously, the big game now Thursday at Purdue, Mackey Arena, number one Purdue, and Zach Eady, who's just eating everybody's lunch. Now, they did lose on Saturday or Sunday. They lost over the weekend to Indiana. I think that's probably bad for Iowa uh, that that Purdue got that loss. Now, they're still number one in the country. But I think you could have. There, there's a chance. Excuse me. There's a chance that they are kind of walking into, um, the sleepwalking into this game, uh, had they not lost. But they did lose, and now they won't be. They 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 want to win. They need a win. They're they're back home. Um, I think that's bad, probably for Iowa that that Purdue lost. I don't know that it matters all that much because this Purdue team. It's just a matchup night, nightmare for Iowa. Uh, Zach Eady. Now, I've, I've seen rumors uh, today that Josh Agundale may be back. Um, and I, I guess that helps a little bit. You need some bodies. You need some fouls to throw at Eady. Uh, I think Agundale played okay when Iowa beat Purdue in the Big Ten Championship game uh, last March. Um, but Eady is a different player than he was last year. He's really, really improved. He's not sharing as much time. Uh, and and he's going to be a beast to deal with, especially for a, a you know mostly undersized Iowa team. And so, 
Uh, you just you worry about that game. Obviously, you go into it hoping for a win. Six o'clock Thursday night, ESPN two. But you understand that this is likely a loss for the Hawkeyes. So then, what does that mean moving forward? Uh, you're at Minnesota on Sunday afternoon, and that's a team that has fallen apart. That's a that's a winnable game. That's almost a must win game for Iowa at this point. Uh, to get to where you want to be when you're talking about Big Ten seeding and NCAA tournament seeding. Because as of right now, uh, the question of whether or not I was in the NCAA tournament, you know, barring a collapse here, Iowa is a tournament team. So now you're really playing for seeding. You're playing for that top four in the Big Ten for that double bye. And you're playing for, you know, something staying out of that 8-9 game really uh, in the the NCAA tournament. You don't want to have to play a one seed on that weekend as we've found, you know, all too often. Um, so you're at Minnesota Sunday, then you come back home, uh, next Thursday against Ohio state. And I think you feel pretty good about that game. You feel like you gave away that Ohio state game, uh, not gave it away. Cause I mean, Ohio state won handily, but you didn't play well at Ohio state. So you come home, you play well, uh, hopefully you, you can get that one. So there, there's two and one in these final, these final games. I think at Northwestern at this point, you probably chalk that up to a loss. Uh, so that's two and two. I obviously Iowa can go beat Northwestern. But that Northwestern team, as I said in, in the uh, the podcast after that game, I think last Thursday I talked about it, that Northwestern team was a lot better than I thought they were. They were a lot more game than I thought they were. And, and whereas I would have chalked this game up to a win a few weeks ago, having seen Northwestern play, I don't know that you can do that. Again, Iowa can go in there and win. I'm not going to count on that happening. I do think Iowa goes into Wisconsin and wins. And that's Wednesday the 22nd. That's an 8 o'clock game. And uh, a, a Wisconsin team that... You know, shouldn't have beaten Iowa at home and, and has only gotten worse since then. So I think right now I'm, I'm giving Iowa these two road wins at Minnesota and at Wisconsin. That's three and two in the next five games. Then you're home against Michigan State. That's a game you felt like you gave away uh, at the free throw line and in the three-point line. That's a Saturday afternoon game, Saturday at 11, so like a Saturday morning game. Should be a packed Carver crowd there. Uh, I think you you win that game. So there's four and two. You're at Indiana assuming they're at full health. I think you probably chalk that one up as a loss as well. And then you come home, you finish out the regular season Sunday, March 5th at home against Nebraska. Uh, if Iowa does what I just said, that puts them at 12 and eight in the big 10. That may be good enough for a top four seed. That's certainly good enough for an NCAA tournament bid. And, uh, and that's a pretty damn good season, especially when you consider they started Owen three. And so that's that's that that'd be really good. This Minnesota game will be interesting because they just postponed their game. I think they were supposed to play tonight uh, against Illinois because of COVID within the Minnesota program. So will they be ready to play on Sunday? I hope so uh, because that's going to be a tough squeeze to to try to get that game in somewhere here the rest of the season. Um, and if that doesn't happen, I still don't know if that would be chalked up as a forfeit. Uh, if it ultimately is not able to be played because of Minnesota, hopefully we don't even have to deal with that and. Uh, and you know you you've got Iowa beating Minnesota Sunday afternoon uh, up in Minneapolis. I looked at some of the bracketology today. Both Jerry Palmer, CBS, and Joe Lunardi at ESPN had Iowa as a six seed, so again comfortably in the tournament, uh, playing an eleven and then a three. And uh, and if that's the case, I mean I think you you can make a case that Iowa has a, a pretty good chance of getting to that Sweet Sixteen this year. Will they? Who knows? I mean the, the, this tournament is such a crapshoot. The matchups are so important. Um, but I, I do, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I think uh, just a few weeks ago, you know, at the, the turn of the year, uh, you would have said that's a, a super long shot. I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I don't expect it. 
uh, but I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, and so here we go, right? At Purdue, nothing to lose. Let's go in there and I'd give him a second L in a row, and, and that would be a lot of fun. Did want to quickly mention Luca Garza, who's uh, who's doing big things in the in the NBA when he gets an opportunity and, and doing really big things in the G League. He is the top vote-getter for the G League's, I think it's called the Next Level Game. It's essentially their all-star game. So uh, Luca Garza is the best player in the G League. And so he gets to be the captain of the team. And, and much like the the way the NBA All-Star game does it now, I don't know if they call it Team Luca. They should. Uh, but he gets to choose his 12-player roster from a you know a, a pool of, of All-Stars. And that's just a really, really cool thing, man. It's been fun to have him here in Des Moines with the Iowa Wolves when he has been here. It's been fun to follow him up and down uh, with the NBA and, and see him get his opportunities. But he's the best player in the G League. Uh, he's the fan favorite. And that's just a, a cool thing for him as well. We'll wrap it up here with just a few words about women's basketball. The Iowa women on a uh, an eight-game winning streak, including a, a win at number 2 Ohio State, and then last Thursday, home against Maryland, a 14-point win against Maryland, a Maryland team that has really had Iowa's number over the past few years and uh, and was a big challenge for this Hawkeye team. But on national TV, on ESPN, Caitlin Clark uh, did what she does, 42 points, Eight rebounds, seven assists, or eight eight, eight assists, or eight, eight assists, seven rebounds. It's hard to keep track at this point. Uh, and Iowa improved to ten and one in Big Ten play. Their only loss coming at Illinois uh, on New Year's Day. And so this is a team that's just just absolutely red hot. Winners of fourteen of their last fifteen. Uh, that includes then the the win at Penn State. Just a dominant win at Penn State Sunday afternoon, ninety five to fifty one. Uh, Caitlin Clark with her ninth triple double of the career. That's that's the most in Big Ten history. It's the second most in NCAA history. She had 23 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, um, and there's just nothing that that she can't do. And when she is playing this well, and then you know Stolke playing the way she is, Sedano playing the way she is. I mean, this team coming together uh, at the right time. This is playing like a, a legitimate Final Four caliber team. A big test again on Thursday at Indiana. It's a 5.30 tip on Big Ten Network. Indiana's ranked second. Iowa is ranked fifth. A top five game at Indiana on Thursday. And another opportunity for Caitlin Clark to uh, to improve her, her star and to show the world that this Iowa women's basketball team is for real. This program is for real, and this is a team to watch uh, the rest of the season. They don't have an easy schedule, Iowa, because after Indiana, you get home game against Rutgers and Wisconsin. Then you're at Nebraska, which is always a tough place to play. And then you're at Maryland and home against Indiana. So you got another couple of top 10 teams there uh, to wrap up the regular season. So it, it's it's going to be more time for Iowa to prove who they are and what they are and, and an opportunity to win another Big Ten championship. Um, but at this point, you, you kind of expect the best out of this team, which is a, a nice thing as an Iowa fan, right? To go into these, these big, big games expecting uh, not just a good showing, but expecting a win. And I think expecting a win at Indiana may be going just a bit too far, but there's no reason that Iowa can't go in and win that game, especially with Caitlin Clark playing the way she is. I saw a tweet today. Uh, Caitlin Clark, the only player in the country averaging 20 or more points a game, five or more assists a game, and five or more rebounds a game. And then Go Iowa Awesome pointed out, oh, she's not just doing that. She's crushing those numbers. I mean, so we're talking 20 points a game. She's at 27.6. Five assists per game, she's at 8.2. Five rebounds a game, she's at 8. She's averaging almost 38 and 8. Averaging in one of the tougher conferences on one of the best teams in the country. 
She led the team in assists last year. The, 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 the country in assists last year. She is the player of the year. She is the player of the year. She will get that accolade this year, and it's going to be really fun to watch. And we'll hope it comes along with a Big Ten championship, a Big Ten tournament championship, and a deep, deep run uh, in March Madness this March. Big game Thursday night at Indiana. It'll be interesting to kind of flip back between these two games. Iowa at Purdue, the Iowa women at Indiana, playing two of the top two teams uh, in the entire country. I appreciate you listening and sticking with me. I know that this isn't uh, – when I talk especially about like the Brian Ferentz stuff, I know a lot of you may not agree with me. It may not be what you want to hear. I hope you appreciate the, the different perspective. I'm not just trying to throw uh, more of the same – into the atmosphere here. I'm trying to give you something different, a different perspective and an honest perspective. And, and the, the way that I try to look at things uh, in order to keep myself sane and, uh, and to, to do some of that. So I uh, will have all this covered the Iowa women, the Iowa men, the football stuff, uh, you know, recruiting and wrestling and baseball season coming up in just like 12 days, 13 days from, from the first baseball game. So we'll have it all covered at HawkeyeNation.com as we always do. I appreciate you listening And go Hawks!